0: Hello, everyone, and happy new year! Happy hoop year, and welcome back to Jersey Jump Shot, the first and only podcast dedicated exclusively to college hoops in the Garden State. January 2nd, 2024, time marches on, and so does our season. And our guest to kick off the new year, tip off the new year, someone who has been around the hardwood a long time and has a great reputation long before 24-7, long before rivals, long before on three. There was Jay Gomes, the one and only Jay Gomes, publisher of njhoops.com, the Garden State's premier high school basketball talent evaluator. He's seen more games and maybe in the garden State than maybe anyone alive other than Mike Kinney our good buddy from the Star Ledger Jay is the authority and coming off a big recruiting week and of course recruiting every week is a big recruiting week we welcome Jay to Jersey jump shot. he's been
1: with us before he joins us again Jay welcome back Thanks thanks Jerry it's great to be with you guys uh, how, really-
0: how long has this been Jay how many years have you been doing this for with NJ hoops uh 29 29 yeah so we you and i started around the same time and you're an old bridge guy right yes old bridge uh 29 years me too all right so i was born and raised there so we got a lot in common of course and the love for uh garden state hoops is a big one uh with me i'm jerry carino of course as always steve Ellison, my longtime colleague and jay we're just gonna dive right in and talk about the the battle in new jersey which uh was a a huge event, a five-game high school showcase at Rutgers to ring out 2023. Uh, I want to ask your impressions. Let's start with the three. While the Rutgers commits, Dylan Harper didn't play. We'll get to him in a minute. I got to start by asking you what you thought of Ace Bailey, 40 points, 21 rebounds, and there's some buzz about him being potentially the top pick in the NBA draft in 2025. What did you think of this guy, Jay, and how do you think he fits in at Rutgers?
1: I thought he was terrific, Jerry. Uh, does a little bit of everything. Athletic. Could score inside. Can get to the rim. Can hit threes. Handles the ball. Rebounds. Uh, he does it all. He's going to be a great player for his short stint at Rutgers. Uh, hopefully it's a long one, but most likely he'll be out early. Uh, NBA scouts uh, like him a lot. Uh but he's going to be great at Rutgers. The fans are going to love him. It'll bring a lot of excitement to uh, Jersey Mike's. Jay, I, I don't know if – and you've
0: been around Rutgers a long time too. I know your son was a manager there at one time. Uh, I don't know that Rutgers has ever had a player, like a wing, positionless wing type of guy as explosive as Bailey. They've had really good guards. They've had really good big men. I don't know. Is there is there even a comparison for Bailey, like that Rutgers fans – could absorb on the college level. He might be just a totally new phenomenon for them.
1: Yeah, he is. Uh, the The length and the size and the ability is different from anybody else. Uh, I mean, Irve Lamazana had, you know, uh, the size, but he was nowhere near as skilled or as explosive. Uh, Dante Jones, way back when, had some high athleticism and leaping ability, but he did not have the whole package or the size that ace Bailey has.
0: All right. Well, that's why we bring you on, Jay Dante Jones and Erve Lamazana. Those are some blasts from the past. I want to just on this on this track ask you about Lathan Somerville. I don't think many Rutgers fans knew that much about him. They knew he was committed there, but we hadn't really laid eyes on him in person. And I think a lot of fans hadn't until he had a you know a twenty-seven point eight rebound explosion at the in the battle on his home court. Lathan is like a 4-5, slash five, you know, a true big man, but he's got some some versatile skills. What are your impressions of this guy from what you saw, Jay, last week?
1: Yeah, I was really surprised by him as well. I mean, he doesn't have the hype as the other guys do, but he's going to be very good too. Uh, real soft touch, uh, could step out and hit the face-up jumper, uh, could score around the rim, big frame, can rebound well too. Uh, he's going to be a good player for Rutgers. Jay, how about his
0: crossover? I mean, he was he he knocked the guy to the floor practically with that crossover drill. What this guy's lathan Somerville is 6'9, 230 pounds, crossing over guys like that. Holy cow.
1: Yeah, you don't see many guys at that body doing that. That just shows his skill level. He's gonna be superb for Coach Michael. Sticking
0: with the, the battle, real quick, I know Steve has some questions for you, too. Uh, Dylan Harper did not play. I guess he tweaked the knees, had some knee issues. So he's you know playing it safe as he should, but you've seen Dylan Harper a lot. You and I have talked about him. What are your your thoughts, expectations for what he can do? Again, he might be a one year guy at Rutgers, like Ace Bailey almost certainly will be. But what do you think Dylan can do as far as we don't? You, sometimes guys don't always translate to that next level so easily. as an adjustment. What do you think about Dylan's possibilities as you know as a a collegiate at Rutgers next year?
1: Well, Dylan's has the whole package. Uh, he could score, he could pass, he defends. Um, he's a good team guy. He's looking to win. He'll do the intangibles as well. It's not just about his numbers. Uh, he's got the whole package. He's going to be very good. And him and Ace are buddies, so they should play well together. So it should be a great season next year.
0: The uh, the, the Don Bosco team, like they really they rolled without Dylan, and told, shows you a lot about how good they are. Who else is on the Division One radar from this Bosco team?
1: Well, it's funny. The big sophomore, Keener Asprea, Uh one of the fans behind us at the game was yelling the other night, go to Rutgers, go to Rutgers. So they already want him to join uh, Dylan, if Dylan's still there in a few years. But he's a high major prospect as well. And they got the junior shooter, Brady Lachlan, who's a Division One player, just got offered from George Washington. And they got a senior guard who's getting Northeast Conference type looks, Isaiah Brown. So they have players around Harper.
2: Hey Jay, uh, um, one of the teams at, at the battle was was College Achieve, Asbury Park. You know, in the last few years, we've kind of seen the rise of charter school basketball in the state. I'm curious your thoughts on that, and particularly uh, College Achieve with Dave Boff, the former Roselle Catholic coach. You know, who has a reputation, you know, for building programs. And I'm curious your thoughts on all that, and where you think that's going.
1: Well, yeah, the the charter schools are popping up everywhere. Uh, Most of them don't have the resources or the wherewithal to build the state power. Uh, But College Achieve in Asbury Park definitely does. Uh, The hiring of Dave Bob sent a message to the basketball community that they want to be good, they want to be successful, and they want to do it quickly. Um, So they got the right guy for that. Uh, Bob has done a tremendous job at Roselle Catholic. And he's already done a great job at college. Achieve, uh, kids want to play for a coach who's been successful, who's uh, set players to the college level. And Boff has done that. And he's already assembled a real strong lineup in his first year.
2: Well, it'll be interesting because, and again, you see this with a lot of schools like that, You know, they're not going to have a league or they're going to try and get into a league and probably not going to be readily accepted. Um and it's tough to get in-state games, right? It's tough for to find teams short of, you know, the Patrick School and Gill Saint Bernard and schools like that who will play them. But you're not going to get a public school, a Group Four. A Group Four doesn't, it just can't afford to lose to a Group One school in terms of power points. So, yeah, you know, it will be interesting how that all shakes out. I think.
1: Yeah, the scheduling is going to be tough. Uh, they'll get some showcase games that good teams want to play them. But to fill out a complete schedule is going to be very difficult. Like you said, a lot of public schools in Jersey won't want to play them. It'll be interesting to see how they're accepted by the shore community and the other schools in the shore area. area. Uh, You know, that'll really be important for them to fill the schedule out.
0: This is a little off the track, Jay, but do you hear any rumblings about them like classifying charters in their own non-public type division or in their own parochial type category?
1: Uh, that might not be a bad idea, but I haven't heard anything of that nature yet.
2: Well, I, th- I think that that's probably one of the key things because you know you have College Achieve now in Central Jersey Group One, right? Now I went up and actually saw Eagle Academy in Newark, which is also a Central Jersey Group One play last year, and obviously they're really good. And and, and Shore Regional had to go up there to try and win a section. Now you look at that Central Jersey Group One section; that's one of the toughest sections anywhere. You know, and, and, you know, schools like like Shore or, or whoever, you know, it's going to be impossible for them to win anything.
1: Yeah, they're, they're a group one school in enrollment, but in basketball talent, they're not a group one school. Uh, so it, it, they should, you know, come out of group one pretty easily. And, and at this point, most of the other charter schools, uh, you know, don't have any programs like this or haven't built a program this way.
0: All right, Jay, sticking with College Achieve Asbury Park, I want to ask you about two players who I know are on Seton Hall's radar. Uh, Jabron Harris, who of course, we know his brother Jameer, super guy, helped Seton Hall make the NCAA tournament a couple years back. And um, Jaquan Harris, the middle brother, is on Seton Hall. He hasn't played because of a knee injury. Uh, this family's from North Brunswick. Great guys, all look like good shooters. Tell me a little bit about Jabron. And then Nas Hart's another name uh, forward we've heard associated with Seton Hall's recruiting. So your thoughts on Jabron Harris and Nas Hart and their possibilities as high major prospects?
1: Yeah, Jabron, like most of the Harris brothers, can really shoot the ball. Uh, that's just his strength. That's been the strength of all the brothers. Uh, he's going to be the biggest one out of the group, though. He's pushing 6'5 already as a sophomore. Uh, so his potential's high, high major also. Uh, Nas Hart is athletic, long, looks the part. Uh, when he's running and dunking and attacking the glass, he's a high major player. Uh, has to bring it a little every every night uh, for him to be, you know, a guy that can help Seton Hall. But he's definitely on the radar, and a, a lot of high major schools are on him as well.
2: You know, Jay, you, you see around the country so many Jersey guys, you know, making a difference at you know places like Kentucky and you know, wherever. Um, and with Rutgers keeping Dylan Harper home, you know, a huge get, how important is it going to be to keep, because there's so many kids coming up in these classes, you know, that are so talented keeping these kids home. And are these guys doing a good job at that, you think, at this point?
1: Uh, Coach has done a great job, uh, you know, between uh, Cliff and Harper and they had Mulcahy a few years ago. Um, I mean, if you look at the top 50 recruits that Rutgers has ever had, I think four of them are under Pike already. Uh, so that's showing a lot that, uh, you know, when he came in here, I knew he was a great coach from Stony Brook. I knew he was a great guy, and I knew he recruited at that level. But I didn't know if he could recruit with the big boys, and he's showing he could do that.
0: And, you will know, give Brandon Knight a lot of credit for that too. I know you know you know Brandon real well going way back, Jay. Um, he's had a big hand in this too on the recruiting trail
1: for sure. You know, that's part of it. I mean, you got to have the right staff. Uh, I mean, they go out and their main job is to go out and get the players. Uh The head coach's job is a lot of things. Uh Recruiting, obviously a big part, but they got many more things to deal with. But, you know, the assistants are out there on the road, getting players. I want to talk about
0: NJIT and Grant Billmeyer, who I know you've covered, you know, since his days at Pennington, even before uh, he was at St. Pat's and won a state championship there. Uh, Grant is in his first year as a division one head coach. Uh, He has brought in a class of nine freshmen. Uh, Sebastian Robinson is having a really nice season, averaging almost 10 points and three assists a game. He's a Jersey guy. Uh, I want to ask you what you think of, you know, Grant's, Grant's potential there. Uh, you know him, you know his staff. And also, is the idea of building through freshmen, is that a thing anymore? Like with the transfer portal, are, are we are freshmen still being, rec- you know, high school seniors still being recruited the way they once were? Give me your thought on how N- NJIT and maybe other Jersey schools can succeed through this route.
1: Well, that's interesting, Jerry. I don't know if it could work in this day and age. Uh, I mean, Grant is trying it. Obviously, he must have the – Uh, The okay with the uh, AD, this is the way we want to go. If you bring in a good young freshman class like he did, you want to see them grow and get better, and hopefully they're real real good when they're upperclassmen. But nowadays, you don't know if the kids are going to stay. Right. Uh, So it's so hard to see if this is going to work or not. I I think at this day and age, you got to mix and match a little bit. you got to bring in some transfers. Um, But hopefully, you know, if he does – if they win some games and they're happy there, they might stay and it might work. You know, it's always it's a gamble though. But everything's a gamble in this business, so. That's for sure, the peculiar challenge he faces at NJIT
0: is that it's hard to get transfers in. It's not as hard as Princeton, which never takes a transfer, but it is difficult. A lot of credits don't transfer. NJIT is a big time engineering school, so maybe I think that has something to do with Grant's approach. But you're right. We'll see if he can go against the grain here. And I know a lot of a lot of local people are rooting for him for sure. Yes.
2: You know, I, I saw Grant at the uh, the St. Rose Patrick school game a couple of weeks ago, looking at kids. Yeah, and really St. Rose looks like it might be the best team, one of the best teams in the state, really best two teams in the state right at this point. You know, we all know Matt Hodge going to Villanova. One player that intrigues me on that team is his brother, Jaden Hodge, who seems to be playing really well this season, better than he was at the end of his freshman year. Um, you know, he really took it to Bergen Catholic the other day. Uh, was their best player at Stepanak. I'm curious your thoughts on him and what his ceiling is, Jay.
1: I think Jaden's going to be terrific as well, like his brother. Uh, when they first came over, uh, you know, I thought uh, Jaden was going to be better than Mac going forward because uh, he's fairly close and he's three years younger. Uh, I think he's a high major. He's a top 50 kid in the country. Uh He's terrific, uh, and he's only going to get better and better.
0: I uh, want to ask you, Jay, about Princeton. they uh, Are doing so well? And you know, last year the Sweet Sixteen, this year really good. Twelve and one start. Uh, you know, you know, obviously uh, Brett McConnell, their right hand man, their lead recruiter. Uh, they have a commitment from a, a Ramapo uh, guard by the name of Peyton Seals. Tell us a little bit about Peyton Seals, and then just in general, what you think of what Princeton has built.
1: Uh, I think Peyton's going to be very good for Princeton. I remember when they first committed, I remember I talked to Brett, and I said, he asked me, what do you think? And I said, you got another Spencer Weiss. And he said, oh, that would be great. I'd be very happy with that. Uh, I think Spencer does, I mean, excuse me, Peyton does a little bit of everything. Uh, He handles the ball. He can run the show. He can hit shots. uh, And he's going to be perfect for the Princeton system. Uh, Princeton overall, I think they've done a tremendous job uh, they get players that you know are are borderline high major kids uh but they're academically oriented uh they play well together uh, they got the culture there they they're all for the team they move the ball they all shoot the ball uh they're gonna be another tough out this year hey
2: jay w- I'd be remiss if I didn't throw in at least one mammoth question here. Uh, you know, Xander Rice coming back to play for his dad. Uh, you know, has has he's averaging almost 20 a game. I'm curious what were your what were your thoughts on him coming out of high school and and what you thought might be possible for him?
1: Well, I think it's a great story, him coming back and play for his dad this season. Uh I feel great for both of them. Uh, and it's working out real well so far. He's taken the team, uh, taking control of the team. He's been a good leader. Uh, so I think it's a great story. Coming out of high school, I liked him a lot. Uh, I thought he was going to be very good at Bucknell, and he was. He had a great career there. Uh, and for a grad transfer year to go back and play for his dad, that's terrific.
0: All right, Jay, last thing, wrapping this up, we really appreciate your time. You've been doing this a long time. What – Are things changing like with the, with the NIL, with the transfer portal, what are the biggest shifts you've seen in terms of the way New Jersey and, and elite high school basketball is being recruited now, or is it still at that level the same as it always was?
1: Oh, no, it's changed a lot. Uh, the NIL is is different. Uh, you know, kids are getting paid, uh, legally, uh, so to speak. Uh, they're going to a lot of the highest bidder. So many cases, uh, Kids are being plucked off other teams' rosters at the transfer portal. Uh, yeah, it's a completely different game. It's interesting to see where it goes from here because, you know, I'm hoping it doesn't happen, but they're talking about like a super NCAA based on football schools where I hope we still have an NCAA tournament in the way we like in the future with the little guys in it too. But I don't know if that's going to be that way in 10 years.
0: Well, amen to that, Jay, and we thank you for joining us. The one and only Jay Gomes, njhoops.com. Check him out. When you want to know about recruiting and talent evaluation in Garden State High School basketball, that's who you go to. Jay, happy New Year, and we'll see you along the trail. Thanks, guys. Happy New Year. Thanks, Jay. All right, Steve, a lot of interesting ground covered there. Changing landscape. Nobody better to ask than Jay Gomes, for sure.
2: No, he was great, as always
0: as always, he's been on with us before, who will be on with us again. All right, let's get to the teams. Now as we turn the page to 2024, more than a third of the season's in the books. Let's start with Rutgers. Pretty rough stretch for the Scarlet Knights, losing to Mississippi State by 10 on a neutral floor, not really in the game in the second half, uh, just out, out physical, out-rebounded, out-muscled, and then barely surviving Stonehill, Derrick Simpson, let it be high School zone. Hits the game-winning shot, a three-pointer to bail him out with 12 seconds left. Uh, Stonehill, you know, one of the worst teams in all of Division One, so the vibe is not great for Rutgers at eight and four, with a net in the 90s, uh, going into a two-game road swing at Ohio State Wednesday, at Iowa Saturday. Uh, boy, it's not. It's been a rough, rough, rough road. Steve, do you think? Ruckers can turn this around or we is this just not gonna happen for Rutgers with all the personnel changes they've undergone this year or was somewhere in the middle? What do you think?
2: You know, I I think it's going to be tough because I think there's so many things right now, as you look at them that have to happen, that have to fall into place, you know? And and I think to me, honestly, the most alarming thing is the way they have just been getting hammered on the boards. I mean, that impacts everything about your game, your ability to, to fast break your ability to, to defend, you know, it just um, so again, unless unless guys like Cliff Amore are going to really start to dominate, like, like they were hoping he would, it's going to be very tough. I think moving forward.
0: Yeah. And I, you know, when I, the first Steve Peichel practice I ever covered the fall of 2016, uh, the first thing they did was a rebounding drill and it was so physical. And I, you know, from watching a team get the, a program that had been manhandled for a number of years on the court, it was so physical and so intense. And I was like, this is a new, they're turning over a new leaf. This is a culture, culture being built from scratch. And like for until now, maybe a little bit last year, it tailed off. Rebounding had been a staple for Rutgers. They haven't been a good shooting team throughout most of Steve's tenure year, but they've compensated for that by rebounding well and getting second chances and limiting opponents' second chances, which keeps the score down. So this team's not doing that. Um, uh, and I think and we're gonna give New Year's resolutions. For each of New Jersey's eight Division I men's basketball programs, my New Year's resolution for Rutgers is they need to get more physical. Uh, they're not overly big. Look, we know why they have smaller guards. They had two big guards walk out on them after the you know normal portal window clo- closed very late in the off-season free agency cycle. It hurt, uh, and so they're small in the backcourt. Doesn't mean you can't play physical though. And Rutgers has to they have to upgrade their physicality. That's something they can control. And so that would be my New Year's resolution for them. And yet they have to get with it now because if you go 0-2 at Ohio State and Iowa, you're 0-3 in the Big Ten with nothing really to hang your hat on at a conference other than a win at Seton Hall, which who knows what that will be worth. Uh, And so, yes, this is a move it or lose it time. I always say, Steve, it's a a long season with a lot of twists and turns. This feels like a twist in the road for Rutgers right now. Seton Hall. Seton Hall had a really good week. Uh, winning at Missouri then stunning UConn at home and then comes the fall at Xavier which we kind of could see coming Steve because three games in six days two on the road all against decent to very good competition the third game of that when Shaheen Holloway is playing his starters 33 35 39 minutes the third game of that's going to get going to be a trap it's going to be problematic now you want to see Seton Hall compete and not lose by 20, but that it was not really that surprising. The loss at Xavier, uh, which they opened it one and one in the big East. That's what they had to do. They had to get a split in the opening week. They did. Uh, they now go into and a long break. They've had a long break here. So, you know, unlike Rutgers, which, which squeezed in a game here uh, on the 30th, Seton Hall's been off since December 23rd. Talking 10 days, they have at – 23rd ranked Providence, a place where they won last year. And Providence is on break. I'm sure the students will still turn out to a degree. Uh, And then Marquette, number seven at home, a team Seton Hall has not played well against since Shaka Smart took the reins on Saturday. So, again, can Seton Hall get a split this week? If they get out of this week 2-2 and in the league, then maybe they've got something, right? Because they have a quad one win already. This would be another quad one win. Then maybe you'd have something. Which Seton Hall team is going to show up? Is it going to be the team that was – that dictated physicality against UConn? Is it going to be the team that, you know, got run off the court, got pushed off the court by Xavier? I don't know, Steve. What are your impressions and what do you think Seton Hall is at as the calendar turns?
2: Well, I think it's exactly what you said. By the end of this week, we are going to know a lot more about Seton Hall and, and I think what the direction of this season is going to be. Two tough games. You know, is this the team that, that beat Missouri and whipped UConn? Uh, you know, we're going to find that out. We're going to find out a little more about that. I think as we discuss all the time here, you know, and as you saw with his performance against UConn, you know, as this team goes, you know, it's all about Kadari Richmond. You know, if he is at his best, he's one of the most dominating guards in the game. And, you know, if he can really ratchet it up, you know, I think Seton Hall has a chance and and we're going to know a lot more this week.
0: My New Year's resolution for Seton Hall is Consistency consistency. And that starts with Richmond. Although Richmond has been more consistent this year than last year. And he's been more consistent than he was the year before. So each year, Richmond's gotten a little better, a little more consistent. That doesn't mean he's been super consistent. And obviously he needs help from the people around him. But yes, consistency for Richmond at a high, high level, consistency for Seton Hall and some help from their bench. They need to give their guys some (laughs) breather a little bit. You know, you can't pull Jaden Bediaco off the court for two minutes and have the whole thing collapse. And so if Hall could get that, can they can they contend? Can they stick around and keep their name in the conversation deep into February? I think it's possible. But again, we'll see more this week. All right. Let's talk Princeton 12 and one, Steve. Six road wins. They they squeezed one out, held on against Delaware over the weekend. Uh a neutral court win over Rutgers. Uh top 30 net for Princeton right now. They go into Ivy League play with Harvard at home on Saturday. Always a tough game. The big ones against Yale are yet to come. Brad Wachtel, our resident Jersey bracketologist, who will be on the podcast twice later this season, I consulted him. Does Princeton have a path to an at-large bid? And he said yes. If Princeton can go 12-2 or 13-1 in the Ivy League, with the losses being like at Yale maybe and at Cornell, not a home loss, but losing at one or two of the Ivy League's upper echelon teams. And if they fall in the final to, say, a Yale in the Ivy League tournament, there's a case to be made that at 25-2 you know, and two or 24-3, Princeton could get an at-large bid. We're a long way from that, but it's an interesting conversation. Your thoughts on the Tigers as they turn the corner into Ivy League play?
2: well listen they better be and they better get in if they, if that is what happened because if not then honestly the entire selection thing is a joke I mean just look at what they did when they got in the tournament last year and 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 just look outside the metrics for a second you know at a team and and what they've done of course Princeton should be part of the conversation so um yeah listen I, I think now it gets interesting because I mean, Nobody sweeps through the Ivy League these days unbeaten. There's going to be right. bumps in the road. The teams are too good. As you said, it's just a matter of where those speed bumps are going to come. And, uh, you know, if you stay healthy, uh, you're, you're going to have some really big games. And and I tell you, I really look forward to that Ivy League tournament uh, later in the, this year. I mean, it's going to be something.
0: At Columbia, and I'll be there, for instance, playing in a final on Selection Sunday. Uh, but my old stomping ground, Steve, I haven't. I haven't set foot on Columbia's campus since I got my master's degree there in 1996.
2: Yeah. (laughs) Well, you'll have a good time. I tell you what, if, if, if that's, that's going to be a heck of a tournament. So uh, that'll be fun.
0: Yeah. The Ivy league is as good as it's been depth wise for sure. Uh, All right. So my new year's resolution for Princeton is good health. You already touched on it, Steve. They're so strong through five, big drop off after five, Dalen Davis, the freshman guard has come on strong to be a reliable six guy, but still, you know, you need some help. Um, so good health for Princeton, especially in their starting lineup, will be a key to them continuing to play well. Let's talk Mammoth. Seven and six, uh, entering uh, Colonial play. I'm sorry the uh, the CAA. What are we calling this league now? The Continental League? I just call
2: it the CAA. It's the Coastal <laughs> Athletic Association.
0: Oh, good grief! All right, so <laughs> entering league play, CAA play. Monmouth seven and six. You know they've been a lot better than we expected back in October. Uh, They played Oklahoma real hard. Why don't you tell us a little bit about that on New Year's Eve and then what's next for the Hawks?
2: Yeah, Mammoth has played better. I mean, listen, if they had beaten Oklahoma, they would have equaled their program record for non-conference wins with eight. You know, I mean, listen, you're a mid-major, you're scheduling up. It's tough to get non-conference wins. So, listen, they seven and six, they led Oklahoma with 13 minutes to go on the road. Then Oklahoma, which is really athletic, uh, hit them with a 17-to-1 run, and they won by 16. So, you know, for – Mammoth was good for other than five minutes. They got overrun in that game. But Mammoth's pretty good. And and so now we'll see how they do in CAA play. They get into it right away. Towson's good. Um and and uh, they're gonna be they're gonna be better than 10th. They were picked 10th. I, I I see them, you know, they could be as high as fifth, sixth in the league, really. You got a New Year's
0: resolution for Mammoth in one sentence.
2: One sentence for Mammoth. The fans need to show up. It's a good team. It's an exciting team. They're going to have a whole string of uh, very good home games coming up. Uh, I think the fans need to come out and support this team.
0: That's a good one. All right, Hawks fans, we know you're out there. We've seen you fill that arena before in recent years. So, so yeah, that's a good good call out to the fans, and that'll be fun. I know you'll be at those games, Steve. Uh, let's talk St. Peter's. They've won three straight. They're six and five, two and zero oh in the MAC. Uh, Iona uh, at home Friday. That's obviously always a big game. And then Mount St. Mary's also at home. So a twofer at home this weekend for the Peacocks. Uh, Again, playing pretty well. The Mac is totally wide open. My New Year's resolution for St. Peter's is, can you shoot the ball a little better? No one is expecting a team full of J.J. Reddicks. But can you shoot better than 38% from the field collectively? I think every percentage point, the way St. Peter's defends, the way they rebound, every percentage point could translate to like a couple more wins for them. So St. Peter's, they got a shot, Steve. It's not totally crazy to think they could be in the mix in the MAC here.
2: Oh, absolutely not. I, I think the MAC is wide open. You know, it's, it's so it's such a different landscape than last year without Rick Um, Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely think, and you know, listen, they've won three straight. They're playing a little bit better, and 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 now uh, they got Iona at home. So it would be, be nice win to start that off.
0: We'll keep an eye on that Friday. FDU, 6-8, and the Open Northeast Conference play at Merrimack Thursday, a rematch of the tournament, the, the NEC tournament final last year, where there was a lot of buzz about that game. Merrimack wins, doesn't get the automatic bid. Uh, and then LeMoyne is coming to, uh, to Rothman, to, to Hackensack, on, uh, for, to complete the first weekend of league play. Uh, my New Year's resolution for FDU is to defend better. They can score. They're exciting. Uh, 80 points a game they average, but they're yielding 82 a game. Some of that is they played up. They played a lot of high major, you know, tough schedule. But can FDU defend a little bit better? And then hook at on New Year's Day, New Year's last year, no one thought saw what was coming for FDU. The NEC is a wide open league generally. So can they surprise again? I think it's certainly within the realm of possibility if they can just defend a little bit better. What do you think, Steve?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Wide open last year. Listen, that that's the blueprint, and anything is possible in, in that league. So yeah, I, I I look forward to to FDU playing some meaningful games over the next two months.
0: Yeah, we'll be tuning in when we get closer to March with them for sure. NGIT is four and eight. Uh, they again all starting over really with Grant Billmeyer. Uh, they won a couple games in a row. They opened America East play against Albany at home Saturday. My, my resolution for NJIT is to develop those freshmen. You know, they've had this mix of grad students, veteran like men, helping them do, who are producing a lot of the points. But the freshmen getting time, Grant's playing these guys with the hope that this is your building block. And so can they develop them and then ideally keep them? I think that's what it's about for, for Grant Bill Meyer and the Highlanders for the next couple of months. All right, and then we go to Ryder at three and 10 overall an 0 and two and really the probably the biggest surprise in new jersey college basketball this year so far has been how poorly riders played they're at Quinnipiac friday uh and you know the mac it can turn around in a minute it's all about the three days in march but my new year's resolution for rider is they kevin baggett's got to get more out of that roster he has talent on that roster he's got to get more out of these guys and so that should be the charge for them steve
2: yeah absolutely you know three and ten uh, they were the MAC preseason favorite. You know, they they had a chance. They had every opportunity to beat Penn, and they couldn't do it. They lost in overtime. You know, and then they came out of that game and they got clobbered by Penn State. So now they're going to get into you know the the MAC, and and again they just haven't shown enough. You know, I've seen them live; they were not as impressive as they were last year, really. And uh, so we'll see. But uh, th- you're right; it's been one of the more disappointing teams so far.
0: All right, so that's where we're at, January 2nd of the year 2024. A long season with a lot of twists and turns, but at this moment, Princeton's the only one probably tracking for the NCAA tournament. But, you know, New Jersey, college basketball is full of surprises. What surprises lie in store for 2024? We'll just have to find out. Thanks to Jay Gomes for joining us, New Jersey's recruiting guru, Steve Edelson, Jerry Carino, opening the new year right, talking hoops in the Garden State. We'll be back next week with some more Jersey Hardwood on Jersey Jump Shot. Happy New Year.